always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right. 31 minutes into spring 2021. Do you feel it yet? It doesn't really feel much different. You just heard meteorologist Brad Nitz there from Channel 2 Action News say it's going to be a cool start to the spring, but that's okay. We'll deal with a... Highs in the mid-50s today. Welcome to Green and Growing. What a great day for you to be listening. If it's your first time, welcome, welcome. I took over what was the Lawn and Garden Show from Walter Reeves, who hosted in this very chair for 26 years. Been on the air a little over a year now. Having a blast. And I think spring is probably my most favorite time of year to host this show because there's never a shortage of folks to talk to, things to talk about, topics that we want to get into. So I've got a lot coming up for the rest of the month of March and April for all of you talking about pollinator gardens, a little more about entomology. I definitely want to do a visit to Oakland Cemetery. And for anybody listening that's uh, associated with Oakland Cemetery, I just haven't called you yet, but I will. I'm going to call and make my way over there. So much going on. A visit to Serenby uh, later on in April down uh, southwest of the city. So a lot of exciting things going on. And also um, an edible food forest. And I'm working on that story and that project for all of you, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks. But amazing people around this city doing great things, volunteer opportunities for the rest of us. And I'm always trying to make you aware of those things on the Green and Growing Facebook page. Uh, just search Green and Growing WSB on Facebook. I try to post volunteer opportunities, things that are going on. Um, gardening classes. I, I don't necessarily, you wouldn't call them master gardener classes because those I'm, I'm not sure have started back up yet uh, with COVID right as they were beginning last February and March is when COVID started. So um, I had to put that on hold. But just a lot of free resources, free webinars, lecture series, all of that kind of thing that you can do right from the comfort of your very own home and topics that may be of interest to you. You just pick and choose what time of day you want to listen to these webinars, and they're fantastic. Just really, really talented, educated people. So, yeah, stay up with me there and on Twitter, at Ashley Frasca WSB. That's more traffic stuff than gardening stuff, but I try to do both. Um, of course, in the triple team traffic seat with Mark Aram, Mark McKay, uh, Monday through Friday during Atlanta's Morning News, 4.30 to 9, and then right as I get out of the traffic center at 9 a.m. most weekdays, I'm working on this show, and I just love it. I have such a good time putting things together. So um, I appreciate all of you that are part of the show and invite you to call today 404-872-0750 to get into green and growing here until 9 o'clock this morning. And you know what? She's called for a long time, but she's a very busy lady in the spring. And she made time to call this morning. Always a treasure to have you, Nicole from Griffin. Ashley. I'm glad you called today. You have been so busy. Yes, and a little bit more work on Saturday. So uh, talking about uh, giving your time, are you done with the J. Black thing? The J. Black thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, um, a little bit. We, we planted some azaleas together, the sports director, J. Black, and I planted uh, four out of five. And I have not been back to Pike Nursery to get the fifth one. The hole's dug. Um, I just have not put it in there. And then I am going to, now that my hostas are emerging, you know, in the spindly little twisted leaves are starting to come up and I can see which ones needed to be divided. I am going to divide some of those hostas 
share those with him and kind of plant them in between the azaleas. I think it's going to be a very nice look. Yeah, yeah. our gardener, the more we give, the more we receive. And we like to make uh, a life for people that uh, cannot physically do it. We need to help. You know, because we're still in good shape and everything. When you are in good shape, I think you definitely take that for granted. You know, that you can get out there and withstand the heat for two or three hours, whether you're raking leaves, whether you're mowing, whatever you're doing, planting a garden. I mean, you get just so exhausted and so tired. But the good feeling you have when you're when you're finished, just that rewarding feeling of being able to see what you've accomplished, it's amazing. I mean, gardening does that like nothing else. Yeah, because uh, the next day you get up and you said, oh, I did good yesterday, you yeah. know, even, you know. And then uh, imagine the next season or the next year, the reward, because all this hard work pay off to me in springtime because I think that's the best. Uh, everything is green. Then. But anyway, um, this weekend will be my rock weekend. Your rock weekend. Are you moving rocks around or are you rocking out to some rock and roll bands? What are you doing? <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> I like uh, it's time, you know, this time of the year because the soil is, is still cool and uh, it, it, it got rain. So it's easy to move uh, rock around. Mm-hmm. Edging with rock or um, stepping stone or because you can edge with plastic, but eventually the plastic with air, no matter how good the plastic is mm-hmm. or hard it is it's still going you know after 20 years it's still going to move so um edging stone get some stone or just a pathway or do the hard work this time they give because it's not hot and um it, it it's easy to do that's you know? very true and i do love garden beds especially if you're going for more of like a woodland look you know and you've got some Hellebores, you've got some maybe oak leaf hydrangea, something that's a little more woodland looking, lining beds with big rocks instead of, you know, plastic edging. I think that has such a nice look. But Nicole, I got to say, I heard someone complaining. I don't remember if it was on Dave Baker's Home Fix It show after I left last Saturday or where it was. But like when people put pea gravel, you know, in the backyard or underneath a deck or something like that, or even the larger the larger pieces of rock, like then the next family comes in there and doesn't like them. Removing gravel and rock from somewhere where you no longer want it is, I mean, other than picking it up piece by piece by piece, like that's an impossible task. So if you're going to commit to rock and gravel, make sure you really want it there for a while. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> it, it, then again, the weed's going to go through it, and yeah. it just it just don't look... Uh you know, as attractive. Yeah. So where are you getting the rocks from, or do you already have some, you're just moving them around? Well, um, I'm just uh, redoing a place. I like to remove every single thing, edging, you know, and redo it because the weed took over, and it just don't look too good. So uh, stepping stone, edging, um, sometimes you go, uh, a, a construction, they have too much, they build too much else. You ask them, you said, uh, can I have those rocks? They said yes, you know, or uh, bro- even brick, brick around your containers just, just look good. But anyway, changing subject. This time of the year, it's, it's probably the last mm, week or two before we can uh, put something in the ground. Remember that... Uh, it's got to have a ratio from top to roots. 
if there's too much roof, the top's going to look like hell. If there's too much, you have to reduce the top. It's hard to explain. But the ratio is important because if you're putting a plant in the ground that's asking too much and the roots are not there, you're just asking, you know, for failure. And you always say, why did I not? was successful with this plan. Like Mr. Reed said, just go back, pull it out of the ground, and look at it. You might put it, you know, uh, the hard clay is no good. Put, you know, uh, mix a little bit of sand, things like this. You know, a lot of people plant stuff in May and June, and I say, yo, good grief. Yeah, that's that's a that's a very warm time to plant things. It's possible. You just have to stay on top of watering. But to your point, Nicole, I think maybe a good example is like when you're establishing a fruit tree and you buy a fruit tree and you plant it for the first time, you're training it and pruning it and shaping it so much in the first one to three years. And I bet that probably has a little bit to do with that because the more you take off the top in the beginning – that energy is going back down to the roots to really establish a good, healthy plant that then the roots can support, you know, the growth up top. Yeah, and the right, pla- right plants for the right place. Yeah. It's a study, you know, if you put a thing that's too baking hot sun, or if you put a fern there, put it in the wood, just study before you plant. It's a big investment, it's a lot of work, but, you know, you have to be proud of your work, too. You know, people come in your backyard and they say, whoa, I have some... Uh, <laughs> palm tree you should see them ah. now they're probably 20 feet high you know and the little one is just uh, just fighting with a big one for um, light yeah oh, you yeah. know so uh, just big investment just don't throw away your money and uh, so why don't because i'm i'm sure people that have listened to the show for so many years and have always heard you talk and call and you know, conversations that you and Walter have had, would would it be able or would you be able to take a before and after picture of the area you're working on today? You said it's been overtaken with weeds. You want to move some stuff around. Like, I want to see Nicole's work in action. Can you take a before and an after? Oh. <laughs> I know once you get out there, you're going to get it done. <laughs> it might take me three weekends. Well, that's but... okay because, I mean, that would inspire people if I shared those photos. On the Facebook page, it was like, look, Nicole did this. may have taken three weekends, but that's fine. What's the rush? Like, I mean, you're pulling weeds, you're moving things around, you're rejuvenating, maybe, you know, pruning some things to shape them back up. I think people would love to see your work. Well, maybe. Maybe. But, (laughs) (laughs) though, another thing, too, once you, uh, because people have a little bit more time this year, I think, once you start a project, uh, don't be discouraged, Okay. Uh, because stuff come up and more work and things like this. Maybe, you know, if it takes three weeks, you know, that's fine. Just don't go over your head. And yeah. you said, I have to finish, I have to finish, I have to finish, and you know. don't procrastinate for the love of everything holy. I have procrastinated on starting seed. I've procrastinated on pruning a maple tree, which now it's too late. Like, you, sometimes you get one shot at these things per year. And then when you miss your window, it's like banging your head against the wall. So yeah. I'm with you on that. Well, Nicole, it is time to run. I'm so glad you called. I've missed hearing from you. 
Well, same here because, you know, uh, you have to have your priority. Money comes first, oh, you know, yeah. between work, and then uh, while it's there, you take it, you but know. But see, I get to make money and talk to all of you. Like, yeah, I get the best so, of both worlds on a Saturday. I know you are so lucky. And you can build a long career with this, you know, because uh, it was, yeah. It I, was. I do love doing this show, but I can't see doing it for 26 years. But I don't know. Talk talk to me in 25, and we'll see if I make it to 26. <laughs> well, Mr. Mr. Reeve was the same way, too, you know. And then you had the uh, uh, the program on TV. It was so overwhelmed. It never stopped, you know, meeting with those UGAs, you know. Yeah. Oh, God almighty. Well, and his son is in town right now. Hi, Gray. Gray's in town right now. And I just talked to Walter yesterday, and he is just having the best weekend ever. So I'm super happy for him. I know, I know. He's right. always worried about his well, son. We're going to talk right. to him here in about 10 minutes, too. Nicole, happy first day of spring, my friend. Enjoy your day. All right, you too. Be productive. Get out there. Get it done, but don't overwork yourself. All right, 620, check in traffic and weather, and we'll be right back on Green and Growing. It's WSB. All right, 43 degrees for you if you're waking up on this first day of spring. It happened at 537, just like that while you were asleep. So welcome to spring. The forecast today from Finley Roofing. Today a high in the mid-50s, lows in the 40s, mostly sunny and chilly. And tomorrow partly cloudy, highs in the lower 60s and lows in the mid-40s. Green and Growing. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Don't you like that enthusiastic crowd? That was a crowd at Pike Nurseries last March. Literally my first and last live remote broadcast um, right before the pandemic. And I loved that crowd. So we'll get back to those days very soon. Uh, Number one, get rows ready for warm season vegetables that you are going to choose to plant. And you're going to be doing that maybe the second or third week of April as the weather permits. We always think about tax day, April 15th. You just got to listen to Kirk starting in uh, you know early to mid-April to kind of plan that out. Number two, pay close attention to your indoor seedlings. Treat seed before planting or buy treated seed for protection against seed-borne diseases and decay. Seedling damping off is something you got to be uh, aware of, too. Many of you already have sown your seeds, so now that the seedlings are germinating, uh, use a fan to prevent damping off that constant airflow on your seedlings is going to really, really help prevent damping off. And number three, hostas can be dug and split for transplanting. You can share them with others. They're just now beginning to emerge, so you can really kind of get a grasp on which ones are too large if they're in the wrong spot. Very easy just to work your fingers in that dirt and split those up. And I'm going to share some with Jay Black. You heard me and Nicole talk about it just minutes ago. All right, Walter Reeves coming up. More about spring vegetables and summer crops as well. You don't want to miss it. It's green and growing on WSB. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. The show is loaded up and ready for the first day of spring today. Thanks for tuning in. However you're listening on 95.5 on your radio, on your laptop, on the app, on your smartphone, or even your smart speaker. Appreciate you being here 
on WSB. Well, more great calls. I got Mike in Stone Mountain with a question about Camellia's peg. And Tucker heard me complaining about moving gravel and rocks around. And she's got an idea and a suggestion that just may work. But first, I have someone on the line. You all know him. You love him. Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. All right, back live and living color with me here on Green and Growing is Walter Reeves. Good morning. Hey, hey, good morning. The Georgia gardener, and you are the man that would know this. What happened exactly one hour ago today? Spring has sprung. That's right. Springtime is here. Ah, it's like just completely. I have so much more appreciation for this spring than I have any other spring past because of everything that's been going on. So, yeah, 537, we hit spring of 2021. So, happy spring, my friend. Praise goodness. It could not come at a better time. We need something to cheer us up, get us out of pandemic mode into living modes. I love it. I love it. Yeah, everything's on the upswing for sure. So, What I want to talk to you about today, Walter, is preparing for those warm season crops that people are planning on growing. You know, I mean, gardening is exploding just like the interest in it did last year. Folks trying a lot of crops for the first time. And that's actually one of my uh, top three things to do is just getting those rows and those beds ready for those warm season vegetables. You know, we're going to look to do that maybe the middle of August or so. So what I want to talk to you about is how to plan out your garden, like how much size you need and in the size and the space you have have, what plants are going to be best for that? That's a great idea. I'd be happy to address that. Obviously, we're not talking to the folks who have an acre or two or even just a very large area, you know, where they're maybe cropping rows for corn and larger things. But we want to talk about smaller. You've mentioned before square foot gardening. Now explain that concept to me. Yeah. In the simplest form, it's a method of measuring out your garden beds into square foot areas, if you will. And every vegetable that you might want to grow would be assigned a certain number of square feet in which to grow. A tomato might be two or three square feet, and an eggplant might be two, and a pepper plant might be one, uh, just depending on how the ultimate size of the plant would be and get that size of soil in which to grow. And now we want to keep all these things kind of grouped together, right? If we have, you know, two or three tomato plants, they're going to grow more upright, so keep them together versus, like, a shorter shrub-like thing, like a pepper plant or something, and then something that crawls, like cucumber or zucchini, all of those need to be grouped, Mm -hmm. right? And why is that? It's both true and not true. Yes, you want to put the taller things on the part so it doesn't shade the smaller things. So you certainly group the tomatoes in a place that they're not going to shade out your peppers and stuff like that. But on the other hand, I like mixing things up in the garden, if I can, size-wise, simply because you get more... Insect repellency. The insects, so they see all three, four, five, ten of your tomatoes together, think, oh, wow, this is great. Ten tomatoes, let's eat them all. Whereas if you have tomato, pepper, squash, corn, you know, something else, eggplant, then the insects really become confused. They say, oh, look, there's tomato here, but there's a squash. I don't <laughs> like the flower of a squash. I'm not going to stay here for very long. And so actually sizing them out and mixing up the sizes is a way of insect control. Hmm, like in a good way. We're keeping the bad guys away. In a good way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In a good way. So that tomato hornworm is going to try to go from one tomato plant and then hit like a pepper plant and go, wait, I don't want this. Exactly, exactly. Oh, okay. All right, now let's start at the very smallest garden, Walter, say a five-gallon bucket. That is so common for folks (laughs) to want to throw something in there. What small plants are going to be best managed in a container that size? 
a couple of peppers would fit in a, in a five-gallon bucket very nicely. A couple of hot peppers or banana peppers or something like that, if you like them. Uh, one eggplant would be good for a five-gallon bucket. Uh, the thing that's most tempting, I think, for a lot of gardeners is tomatoes. Mm. And only one tomato per five-gallon bucket. And even then, one of the smaller varieties like Celebrity per five-gallon bucket. When I've seen buckets planted with three tomatoes yeah. and they're just overflowing you can't keep them watered because they're just so full of foliage that you just can't keep them soil wet during the day. That, and I explained to a caller just a couple of weeks ago, Walter, that, um, you know, I mean, tomatoes are already so prone to, uh, prone to fungus and disease that mm-hmm. that air circulation and that airflow in the plant is so very important. And Perfect if they're too point. crowded into one another, they're not yeah. going to get that. You're exactly right. Now, what do we think about uh, fruit trees? You know, some people already have them established on their on their land, so I want to talk to you about that in just a moment. But uh, okay. any fruiting things that we can get away with in a smaller space? Yeah, blueberries. God, blueberries are so good to grow in a small plot. If you're a homeowner, first-time gardener, and you want a fruit, choose blueberries. They are awesome. They don't take up much room. They have good fruit. They're easy to care for. They don't have any bugs and diseases. Blueberries are just the best. Then on the other hand, if you don't have much room, don't grow figs. Figs will crowd you out. You'll be sleeping somewhere else in the neighborhood because the fig will take over your house and your whole property. Figs are big. And if you can't and you can't prune a fig to keep it small, you can't make a plant that wants to be 15 feet tall to 15 feet wide, you cannot make it be five or feet, feet high or five feet wide. It just won't do well if you try to do that. You know what I'm... Avoid figs. You know what I'm looking forward to is um, I'm getting a plant from Southern Living, and it's the Little Miss Figgy fig. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like a new, I mean, I guess they're calling it, you know, dwarf habits. Um, it's got yeah, dwarf habits, yeah. but it can still get, you know, five to eight inches or eight feet high. So I definitely need to uh, watch for that. But I'm going to start it off in a container on the deck and then, you know, transplant it when the time's right. But I can't wait to try those. Me too. And again, I'm learning about it from you because I forgot that I had seen that dwarf fig and thought to myself, oh, well, that's the only dwarf fig I know of around with a little bit. Yeah, a little piggy. Please let me know how it works. All right. And then going back to blueberries, as you mentioned, very important. You know, rabbit eye do well here, but then you've got to have two different types for them to pollinate each other, right? Exactly. Two different varieties. And that's easy. Most uh, gardeners will know that. So you'll have. Oh, Climax and Tiff Blue or Delight and well, two or three more that are common rabbit eye blueberry varieties. You don't get two Delight, don't get two Climax, don't get two of anything. Get separate ones because genetically they only breed with blueberries of a different variety cultivar. You know, and I have had mine in containers on the back deck now for four or five years, and they're such a manageable size, but they really mm-hmm. haven't. I've never pruned them. I haven't needed to. But they really haven't gotten much larger, so what I'm thinking, it is time, and I probably should have done this a year or two ago, to transplant them into a larger pot now. And I'm only thinking about going up maybe an inch in the pot size. Uh-huh. How big is the pot now that you have it in? 18 inches maybe? Yeah. Okay, that'd be about right. A little small, but about right. And so moving it up, yeah, it'll, it'll grow itself to be bigger than it is now and big enough to fit into the... 20-inch pot, let's say, and as you move it out to your garden, to your yard, with full sun and lots of room to spread out in, it'll go to five feet high and two or three feet wide. Awesome. And you know what, another one, speaking of berries, that I just thought of, strawberries. Yeah, oh, gosh, yes. Strawberries would be perfect for a five-gallon plastic bucket. 
And you can get those cool um, pots from Pike. I know they have a name, mm-hmm. but they've got the pockets coming out of the sides of the pots where you just... Well, they're, put... they're called strawberry pots of all things. Oh, hey. Strawberry pots. <laughs> Very clever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no directions needed with that. Um, yeah. yeah, those are easy to pop in the ground. Now, how many would you recommend since they do crawl and vine out a little bit? How Let's many would you recommend see. in a five-gallon bucket? For a five-gallon bucket, four. Oh, One, wow. Two, three, four. Because they can cascade over the side. And so they're not erect, they're not crowding each other too much around the bucket. So, yeah, I think four would be right. What do you call those, runners? They put off runners? Yeah, runners, daughters. And the daughter plants then can be removed when they look big enough to do it. You put it about as big as your palm, I guess. And they can be moved to another five-gallon bucket. And you could have five-gallon buckets at the wazoo full of strawberries on your deck. And I popped one into a hanging basket last year and kept it hanging over the side of the deck. Walter, that thing made it through the ah, winter just fine. Great idea. Perfect mm-hmm. idea. And that's right. They do tolerate cold weather pretty easily. I've got strawberries in my big raised bed in the back on my uh, patio right now, and they've been perfectly fine for the last month. I've had them in the ground. Ah, That is such good news. All right. Well, we've got a couple of minutes left. I do want to talk to you about uh, fruit trees. You know, obviously, we, we need yeah. much larger area for that. But what should be some of the guidelines things folks are starting to think about now with their apple, their pear, their peach trees? Pruning, pruning, pruning. This is a great time to prune apples, peaches, pears, and plums. And so uh, the first, the, whatever you prune is always three steps to pruning anything, whether it's roses or apples or whatever. And the first step is always remove dead branches. They don't do anything for you. Take them off. Uh, second step is to remove branches that cross across the middle. That is, again, a non-productive branch, and the ones that cross across the middle of your plant don't do a darn thing for you. And then the third thing, and particularly on apples and roses and things in that family, is outward-facing buds are the best buds to prune just above it. So the new limb that comes from that bud will be outward-facing and give you a lot more space in the middle of the plant so sunshine can penetrate, and you get more fruit that way. Staying on a spray regimen and a spray routine with these is so important throughout the year to prevent unwanted pests and diseases and things like that. But let's caution folks against, you know, the time that they don't want to be spraying. It's when the bugs, when the bees are out pollinating your flowers. So you can spray something, not insecticides, but it's fungicides. Uh, you can spray them during the time the bees are out so they don't hurt the bees. But I have often said that if you have dreams of having peaches, and you're going to grow a peach tree, then buy a sprayer with the peach tree. You should be walking out with one peach tree in one hand and a sprayer in the other hand because peaches are hard to grow without spraying them. Mm. And what is an active ingredient in a fungicide that's best used on peach trees or Let's fruit see. trees? One of the brand names I see at Pike all the time is Captan, C-A-P-T-A-N, Captan. is a brand name for fungicide. Again, doesn't hurt the bees, so you spray it from the, from the plant's flowering. Captan's one. Uh, Dacanil is another one. Read the label, follow the label directly, of course. But Dacanil is another one that can be sprayed to prevent some of the peach diseases that are so common it will get set up on your trees. And once they're set, once they're in there, it's hard to get them out. It's hard to control it if you don't start out controlling the diseases on the peach. Walter, I think we're ready to have a pretty big harvest. I'm getting hungry. You need to get out and plant some things then. you got a big backyard. You can plant apples in an orchard in your backyard. Oh, I wish. I wish. Maybe one day. <laughs> I have to build my way up well, to that. Working. Well, hey, look forward to having you back now that we are in the full throngs of spring. I'm sure we'll have some other good topics to uh, to discuss here in the next few weeks. You betcha. I'll look forward to it, Ashley. 
All right, up next, Mike and Stone Mountain and Peg and Tucker got to take a quick break. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. My husband and I just listened to the song like a couple weekends ago. Very good. Very good choice. All right. 6.54, almost 7 o'clock into hour number two of Green and Growing. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, it's a chilly start right now, only getting up into the mid-50s for your highs, low 40s for the lows, mostly sunny and chilly. Tomorrow, partly cloudy to mostly cloudy skies, highs in the low 60s. So we'll do the top three list here in just a little bit. But first, I want to take some calls. People have been patiently waiting. Good morning to Mike in Stone Mountain. Hey. How you doing? I am great. What's your question about camellias? Uh, I've got one that's been here for quite a while, and it's probably about 20 feet tall. Mm -hmm. And I really need to cut it back if possible. And uh, the... uh, limbs or whatever you'd want to call them they're about as big as your arm wow and uh i was just wondering if you cut it back would it kill it or would it possibly uh come back out around it or no it's it's going to be fine to prune it now what type do you have do you have the type that's flowering right now Yes. Okay, so japonica. So that's the variety that's blooming now. Sasanqua, those blooms like back in October, November. So prune after it's finished blooming. Um, But if you need to drastically reduce the size, which it sounds like you do, that may be kind of a two-year job because at most you want to just remove one-third of the plant. So like right now you could take it back by about 30% and then do another round later. And make sure you've got sharp, sharp pruners too, Mike, because, you know, we want to make very sharp, distinct cuts so that we don't invite fungus or disease or anything into cuts that are just poorly made. So, in other words, just uh, do it gradually, like you say, in, in, in two or three steps mm-hmm. and not all at once. And how, if I cut some now, when when should I cut the other? Wait a year or... How long between? Uh, yeah, I would say bringing it back. Yeah, when it's finished blooming here in the next little while, do a third, and then maybe late summer, early fall, you could do another. You might lose some buds um, doing it then, so you might not have as much of a show come this time next year. But that might be another time because early fall, it's still going to have a chance to, you know, new growth that it'll put out at that time will be hardy enough by the time the cold weather comes along where it won't damage it. And you asked me when it blooms, uh, what are there, like two types? Or- yes. Yep. Um, Sasanqua camellias, the blooms look a little different and they bloom in the fall. So October, November, mine's a tree form. Um, and then Japonica, they bloom anywhere from January to March, and those have more of a rose-looking kind of bloom. Yes, um, and I yes, think... like you have, if it's a, just a large, large shrub type, yeah, that's that's definitely Japonica. And what about uh, other plants like uh, azaleas or uh, gardenias and all? When is the best time to cut those back if you need to kind of 
drastically bring them back into shape. Yeah, so anything like that after it flowers. After it flowers is the best time to do it. Azaleas, you can definitely do some rejuvenation pruning right now, but you will lose flowers that are going to be coming out in the next few weeks. But this is a great time for rejuvenation pruning. It's going to be full and green in the next few months, and you'll just lose flowers for a year. So, Mike, really good questions. Got to scoot. Up next, we have arrow exterminators to talk about some of the pests and critters you may be experiencing this spring and how to prevent them. We'll be right back on WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.